Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbener. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawn, we're talking about big families. Big families. <laughs> Ours may not even be big compared to some people's, and they may be bigger than others, but we've got tips systems, organizational advice that we've learned over the years with our families of six each and how it can make life easier for you, no matter how big your family. We'll be right back with tons of great tips and advice right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Tide, who knows how busy life can be for families these days. That means household chores are often delayed or condensed to save time, especially laundry. But thanks to modern, high-efficiency machines, it's easier than ever to do fewer and larger laundry loads so families can have more movie nights, more time together, and parents can even sneak out for some adult-only nights. The larger the load, the more dirt, which means more stains sneak through and become harder to clean. And since the average family is actually doing large laundry loads, most without even realizing it's likely the clothes aren't getting clean. Tide wants to make sure you have the power needed to clean your family's clothes and make sure your detergent and dosage are the perfect match for your large laundry loads. For the best clean, always follow dosing instructions on your detergent's label. So Liz, big families, I think we can actually speak very well to this because you've got four, I've got four, and you know, when you've got that many kids in the house, it presents a different kind of challenge. It's true. And I kind of see it both ways because we, as you know, have my two kids most of the year, but then there are certain times like the holidays coming up and Thanksgiving and all of the summer and school breaks that we have four kids in the house. That was really a house not meant to have six people in it. (laughs) So we have to make like a lot of concessions. And honestly, I've learned so much from you over the years, Kristen, because you've been like so organized and amazing when it comes to like having big families and getting stuff done. And I really had to make a big switch when I was dealing with more kids and go, ooh, how can I make things run a little better around here? Yeah, I know. And we added kids to our brood. I didn't just have four at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Some people do. Some people do. Not me. But you know, you have to add more systems and structure to save sanity. And it's not like everything is rule driven, but you know, people like structure, kids like structure, and it really does help make life easier. And that's important when you've got so many people in the house. It's true. And, you know, it's funny. I remember, like, when we were early bloggers and we both had a mere one child. (laughs) And I would read, um, like, Chris Jordan's blogs or these blogs from way back when where people had, like, six or eight or more kids. And I was like, how do they do this? So I've always kind of been fascinated by the idea of big families and how they function. And one thing I've seen in common is that they're very organized and that they delegate really well, which is something, I mean, we talk about that a lot anyway, but I think that... Sometimes, as moms especially, we don't delegate because we're like, oh, I'll just get it done myself. You know, like, it'll just get done faster. I don't want to keep asking. And remember when we talked about KJ Delantonio's tips about how to be a happier parent? Yes. And she said that even though you have to ask a bunch of times, actually, then you become resentful and you actually are happier as a parent and happier as a family when you just make your kids do stuff. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. So everything we're going to talk about applies to big families because that's what we have ourselves, but certainly can apply to no matter your family size. If you've got one kid, you've got a bunch of kids, doesn't matter. We hope these are super helpful for you. So let's get started with one that you were kind of hinting at, uh, chores. Chores, chores, Number one thing on my mind all the time. (laughs) So I want to hear your tips on this because I 
I've always, for real, Kristen, I channel you. Like, you are my role model. <laughs> you talk about, like, your kids packing lunches or making dinner or, like, they're just, they do stuff that I realized I wasn't having my kids do quite as much. And it was more out of necessity, probably. You just had to do that. So what are some of your favorite tips for getting kids to do chores? Well, first, I should say that getting kids to do stuff around the house isn't really to make your life easier. In theory, it sounds like it is, but it's not. Let's be honest. Like you just said, it's a lot easier for you to do things than to try to motivate your kids and encourage them and remind them to do it. But it's important because they're going to be adults and you want them to be contributing members of society. You want them to be able to function on their own. So if you remind yourself... It's okay to make your life easier also because we have a lot going on. So I think it actually has that one-two punch, right? Like where it does make kids contributing members of society, which is really important. And I think that's overlooked a lot. So I'm glad you brought that up. But also like it does take sometimes one or two or more things off our plates. And that gives us more time to do the things we like and the things we enjoy and the things that really are necessary for us to do. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But I think if you're trying to get your kids to do chores, I would not approach it first with this attitude that it's going to make your life easier because at first it's probably not. Oh, yeah, (laughs) no. It's going to make your life harder. (laughs) No, I don't want to say to the kids also, you guys do the laundry. I'm just too busy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I talked to them about the importance of, you know, them learning these as skills, like their skills, right? I mean, yeah, the same way absolutely. We teach our kids other skills. So the one thing that we do is that we just have responsibilities in the house that everyone needs to be a part of. And the basics are, you know, obviously, if you're a bed making family, make your bed, do your homework, unpack your lunchbox. Like there are just rules that everybody knows about and everybody does. And that's just the way things are. So, you know, I leave that up to individual families, obviously. Like the big thing for us is like when you come home from school, you hang up your backpack, you empty it out, you empty out your lunch, blah, blah, blah. You do all those things. Then we have a big list of things that everyone has to do weekly. And we have set it up in a way that, yes, we still have to remind them, even though it's on the board, but there are things that they can do They can feel successful in getting them done. They're not too complicated. They're not too time-consuming. And I chose them very carefully. So one of the things is the trash. And another thing is vacuuming, because that's seemingly a very, very easy thing to do. Yes. And walking the dogs. We have our kids vacuum also. Yeah. And they actually kind of like it. There's something about, like, ooh, electronics. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, making the lines on the floor. Like, there's just something, I don't know, it works. And so this whole board that we have, actually, people who have seen me do Facebook Lives or Instagram stories, might have seen this behind me because we have a huge chalkboard wall in our kitchen with chalkboard paint and we actually put everything up there. And that is basically part of how they get their allowance every week. So we don't necessarily tie specific chores to getting paid, but part of participating in the household is doing chores and that's how they end up getting their allowance at the end of the week. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a big question for a lot of parents. We've talked about it here. We talked about it way back when. I think it was like spawned episode 14 in the early days about whether you should pay your kids for chores and what the experts say. We've been researching this over the past 12 years or so, and I've come to the same place that you have, that I talk to my kids that they're not getting paid for chores. But I always say, as a part of this household, you get allowance 
and you give <laughs> time toward the household. And so they understand that that's the price for living here and for us all succeeding together. Yeah, I've actually shared my allowance system on Cool Mom Picks, and we can link that up because we have some really helpful resources on our site. We've got printable chore charts. We've got a discussion about paying your kids for chores. And then I did share my allowance system. So I think, you know, getting your kids involved, I think if you have one or two kids, it can feel easier. Again, like the weight of not having to deal with the whining and complaining is a little easier, I guess, when you're just like, oh, I got one or two. I can just easily, you know, do the laundry or I can just easily do the dishes. It's not a big deal. But I think if you're able to start slowly, so start them off on something. Emptying the trash is super easy. It can be a little gross, but it's not like cleaning toilets. It's satisfying because you, you know, you throw it away and you put a new trash bag in the trash can. Start slow. Let them be successful in what they're doing. And then you can add stuff in as they get older and as they show that they have more responsibility. And, you know, I'll confess here, I wish we had started early. And for those of you parents who just have one kid, not just, but who have one kid, (laughs) and maybe you only want to have one kid, you can um, start them literally from when they're toddlers or preschoolers with really basic things. Some of those printable chore charts are good because they show you things you can do by age. But if you do plan on having more children, it's a really good idea not to try to play catch up when you've already got a six-year-old and a four-year-old and another on the way. So like start young. It works whatever size family you have and you'll be really grateful in the long run that you've instilled those habits. Even though I didn't. Mia culpa. (laughs) (laughs) We're helping you succeed where I have failed. But my kids Uh, have gotten better now. That's the good thing. They're like really good. And they really enjoy, like you're saying, there's some things they like. You know what mine like? They like dealing with the recycling. Oh, that's good. Like taking the plastic out of the cereal boxes and folding things up and, you know, rinsing out the tubs. Like, for whatever reason, it makes them feel very earth-friendly. And that's something that kids are very conscientious about these days. So that's something that they've really enjoyed. So let's talk about food shopping because it cracks me up and it's also really smart (laughs) the way that you do your food shopping. Because I know you have all the girls, you know, several times during the year and oftentimes during the busiest times of year. And so is that why you started shopping in bulk? I know you're... I am a Costco (laughs) fan. I am on Team Costco. I I love it there. I like there's one in Brooklyn, not too far from us, and I love going there. Um, also because I have flexible work hours, so I can go during the week when it's not, you know, too crazy. I've learned not to go at five o'clock on Friday nights. <laughs> right. But you know what? It saves so much money. But beyond that, it's so easy. Like, okay, so this week. John said to me, oh, we're out of garbage bags. We should add that to the list. And I was thinking, we bought those like two years ago. (laughs) We bought so many garbage bags in bulk that it was like literally one huge less thing not to have to think about every few weeks. Or like buying paper towels. And look, we're in a New York City apartment. It's not like we have tons and tons of space. And so obviously, you know, your space may be limited. But look, if your kids drink juice boxes or you give them goldfish crackers or whatever it is, when you buy stuff in bulk, it means you always have plenty in the house. It also means you just don't have to think about it for a long time. And for me, that's a huge win. I think it's a huge win for everyone. It's a time saver. Like, let's remember that you want more time. And so if you're running to the grocery store every week because you keep running out of toilet paper or paper towels, you know, a lot of the things you can buy, you can freeze. So even if you aren't going to be using all the food that you're buying, there are a lot of opportunities to stuff it in the freezer. And then you have it and you're saving yourself time in the long run. So I always try with my family is to like think about the end game, right? Like 
At first, you're like, what am I going to do with 70 rolls of toilet paper? But then you're like, oh, I haven't had to think about toilet paper in the last six months. That was kind of great. <laughs> or if you're in my house, last two weeks. Especially when the kids are like, mom, we're out of toilet paper. I'm like, right. you know where it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's uh, really good. And I'm glad you mentioned the idea of like freezing foods also, like stuff in bulk. We even had a good post on Cool Mom Eats about what you can freeze and how to save things for weeks and months ahead so that you can kind of do a lot of prepping all at once. So I think that leads us to the idea idea of meal planning. Yes. Which is such a big huge. thing. I am terrible at meal planning. You know, we're like very into like, oh God, it's seven o'clock. We're starving. We're just going to order in sushi. Like I need to be much better at it. I want to hear from you because I could definitely work on this. Well, what's lovely about my situation is that my husband does all the grocery shopping, all the meal planning and all the meal cleaning upping. So what you're saying is, pro tip, get yourself a partner who will do everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that should work. This is his, if you've read, I don't know our, if our listeners have read the book Fair Play. It's all about um, relationships and marriages. And her whole thing is that like people in a relationship should be responsible for the conception, management, and execution of tasks to help decrease resentment and disagreement. So he is responsible responsible for all of the meal stuff, all of the cleaning up in the kitchen stuff. But I do know that he does meal planning. And what I love that he does is he knows, okay, for instance, we're going to have a roast chicken on Monday. Then you look and he's very smart. He uses that meat to make chicken Caesar salad the next day. That's one of the smart things about meal planning is that it really does help your budget because you're using more with what you have. And again, it's one less thing to think about all week long, like because it does create additional stress for me when I'm not meal planning. And actually, I'm better at it when we do have six people in the house than when we have four. Honestly, sometimes, you know, I have one kid who's got an after school activity and gets back really late. So they're just going to grab pizza before they come home. And sometimes we're on different schedules, especially as your kids get older. But when we have the four kids and there's six of us together, especially over holiday when I know everybody's home, like that's when we really have to think through, especially when we're dealing with like kids that have often different tastes and they're picky about different things. So we know if we're like, okay, let's make homemade fajitas. Well, this one will only eat the chicken if it's like in panko. So we'll make some that way. And this one won't have the vegetables, but they will have the guacamole. And it like allows us to kind of plan through what we'll have for the week. And then we have guacamole for the week, which is always well, a that's win. always a win. And I have to say, <laughs> you have to find the system of meal planning that works best for you. I think people get scared of meal planning because they're like, I don't know if I can do it. And there are people that are very intricate and careful about their meal planning. And then there are some people that just do it loosely by category. I still remember our friend Megan Francis, who hosts co-hosts the podcast, The Mom Hour. And one of her tips that I still remember after so many years is she meal plans by category. So she actually assigns something per day. So for instance, Monday might be sandwiches. Tuesday might be soup. Wednesday might always be a kind of chili. And she kind of has this in the back of her mind so that when she's planning for the week, looking for recipes, trying to think of what to do, there's still that overarching category per day to help 
her do that. And I think that's really smart because sometimes you're just like, what do I do? You know, that's why, you know, we might be like meatless Mondays, but that helps. Those things help you decide what you're going to cook. And we have so many resources. Recipe Rescue, that's our Facebook group, has a wonderful, wonderful group of people in there, almost 4,000 people that are there to help you if you need meal planning help. We have featured apps on Cool Mom Eats and Cool Mom Tech that can actually help you meal plan. So I think it's about experimenting and finding the method that works best for you. Yeah, and you know, there was another podcast that I'm thinking of when we talked to Amiria Martin about time-saving tips for busy parents. And she also talked about how she keeps to the same schedule each week. Like, she always knows Tuesday is a soup day, for example. And that it's, like, variety is kind of overrated, and that really stood with me, which has also made me feel better because I have kids that don't eat a lot of different (laughs) foods. But I like the point that, you know what, your kids aren't necessarily going to have a problem if they have mac and cheese every Friday, you know, like if it's homemade or you can change it up or you can put breadcrumbs on it sometimes or you can serve different salads with it. But that, you know, you really don't have to feel like you're competing with all of Pinterest. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you're not trying to make like a brand new thing every single day. I agree. Like we're not all food bloggers. Like just Feed your family, people. (laughs) And one great big family tip is that we get them involved in some way. So whether it's prepping, whether it's cleaning up, we really make sure that kids are part of the meal in some form. And I think that applies to families of all size. Again, when you've got one or two kids, it might be really easy for you to just whip through things. But if you can get your kids involved, again, it makes it a little easier for you maybe in the long run. We found that kids are more apt to eat things that they prepare themselves. So, you know, that's a win, too. Here's my other good tip for a win if you have bigger families that you're dealing with. If you've got multiple kids that maybe eat different things or don't like what you're serving, we've always said you don't have to be a short-order cook. Now, every parent has different rules. Some people are like, you eat what I serve, and that's it. My rule is kind of what my mom did with us, which is... You don't have to eat what I'm serving, but then you have to make something yourself. And so, you know what? Sage, who used to be terrified of cooking, for some reason, she's very scared of the stove. And and she's finally gotten over it. And I taught her how to make perfect quesadillas on the grill. Like, world's simplest thing, right? She's so proud of herself for doing that, that like now she doesn't like what we're serving. I'm like, go make a quesadilla. And she goes and makes it. And that's like one less thing for us to worry about. So you don't always have to cook everything for your kids. Like, sometimes it's okay to say, then go make a peanut butter sandwich. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We taught my son how to use the grill, actually, and he grills everything from hamburgers and hot dogs. He knows how to turn it on, knows how to turn it off. He cleans up after himself. That's fabulous. Thalia loves grilling. Yeah, I'm like, go for it. That's great. As long as they know that they're going to be responsible for the whole process. You know, if you don't like something that's on the table, but you're willing to take on that responsibility, go for it. But you're going to have to do it from start to finish. Like, I'm not cleaning up after you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the next topic, which is laundry. And, you know, I know that, like, this kind of falls under chores, except at least in our house, this is, like, its own separate category. No, I agree with you. Because it is such a big source of contention. It is. It is. For sure. You too? I mean, one of our best tips, which we got from you, is instead of having our kids put everything together in one laundry basket, we got them each their own little baskets or bags. So now they have to do their own laundry. And what I learned is that my kids were saving everything, like, as long as possible until <laughs> they, well, I do this too. Let's be honest. Like, mom, I'm out of underwear. I'm like, yeah, go do laundry. So then what they were doing is bringing everything upstairs and dumping 
everything, White Starks everything, into like as few loads as possible. Oh. And it was like tons of stuff. And thought I'd be like, oh, my socks didn't get clean. And I'm like, well, let's see how you're doing laundry. And I looked and she's putting all the whites and all the darks and everything together, running it on cold and putting way too much stuff in the laundry machine. And look, I get it. Like, unlike you, we don't have a laundry machine in our house. We live in an apartment where we have laundry rooms every third floor. So sometimes we have to go up to multiple floors and commandeer multiple machines to do all our laundry at once. But we taught them that if you kind of like separate it out and do smaller loads, it will actually save you time in the long run and you will um, get cleaner clothes out of it. That's important. And I know we have taught my kids actually how to measure the amount that they're using because my kids will eat either like not use enough detergent or they'll use so much. And like that makes a difference. It's interesting. So our sponsor Tide found that 52% of loads that people are doing are actually considered large, which means I guess you could say that most people are doing large loads. So it's not even big families, people. That's better for the environment. We shouldn't be doing laundry loads where there's like three things in it, you know? Like, oh no, I spilled something on a shirt. I have to do an entire load of laundry for that. Like, it's good to do big loads, but then you got to make sure you're using the right amount of detergent or you end up with my kids issue where they're like, how come my socks still aren't white? I'm like, well, let's start with the size of the load and how much detergent you're using. Yeah, no, no. It's really important because I get it. Like people want to save time. You know, like for me, I was like, I just want to put it aside because it's like, no, I don't want to do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes like four days later. And then I don't want to spend the whole entire day doing my laundry. Everybody else's laundry because no one has any clothes. So like No, I totally get it. And add in running up and down like Oh yeah, for you. Literally 3 to yes. 6 flights of stairs and using an app to pay for each individual load. Like it's a huge thing laundry for us. So keeping this organized, especially when we have more kids in the house, making them responsible for their own laundry loads. You know, sometimes we try to set a time each week so that we do it once a week. That doesn't always happen. I kind of took it off my plate as a chore. My feeling is, okay, if you're out of clothes then you do your own laundry. I think that's perfect. That's absolutely the way to do it. It works really well. I mean, we'll still take care of like sheets and towels and stuff, but like I want the kids to do their own clothes. Also, like you said, it's a skill. It's a life skill. Like from when I was really little, I had to do the laundry in our home. That was my chore. And so I I feel like there's no reason kids can't like do the most basic (laughs) chore there is. It's really pretty easy. Yeah, no. So my oldest, my 15-year-old, she, I don't even think about her laundry. Like she does all her laundry herself. I don't even know what's happening. She doesn't even talk to me about laundry ever. It's the best thing. Now, my son is a little different, and he just will have this huge pile of clothes and be like, did you do the laundry yet? (laughs) And I'll be like, did you bring it upstairs? So do you do it if they bring it to the laundry room or does he have to do it? I will actually do laundry for my kids, but they're responsible for folding it and putting it away. So I'll start it off. I'll get it going in the washer. I'll move it to the dryer. And then they're responsible for what happens after that. So if they want to live out of a laundry basket, that's totally up to them. If they want to live with clothes that aren't folded, that's totally up to them. If I have extra time and I'm sitting around, it makes me feel better about binge watching. 
is if I'm folding laundry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you have the husband who does all the cooking. I am grateful that I have a partner who pretty much spearheads the laundry. He does the folding and puts away the sheets and changes the beds. And like, what a joy. I love that. But you know what? Here's a great tip, actually. This may not work for every kid, but Sage, who really isn't like the most organized of the family, (laughs) I introduced her to the KonMari Netflix series, and she was so into the idea of the folding of the clothes that she went and conmarried her entire wardrobe. And she like folded everything into like the little stocks. And now she can see all her t-shirts and she knows where everything is. And she was so proud of it that now she really spends time unfolding and putting things away nicely because she feels like it's this accomplishment. That's awesome. So that may not work for everyone, no. but like for a kid who really wasn't inclined to put away her laundry, like you, was like living out of hampers. It was like a source of pride for her, which I thought was really cool. And that's kind of what it comes down to with chores, right? Is making kids feel good about a job well done. Absolutely. And I know, you know, some big families do something where they assign laundry dates. Yeah, that's really Which smart. could be interesting. So, you know, like a, you get Wednesdays and you get Fridays. So it just breaks it up and makes life a little easier. I think that's great. It's about finding the system that works for you. We always say, like, you know your family and you know your kids best. So these are all just tips that we've learned or we've picked up along the years or that work for our families. But you have to do what works for you. So speaking of clothing, here's one of my favorite tips is literally have less of it. <laughs> That's and I know, and again, another KonMari thing. love to shop. <laughs> I know, and, and we do. But, like, I've seen how your daughter, like, she started getting really into Japanese clothing, so she started selling her old clothing and making money so she could trade it in and, and buy new clothing, which I thought was great. And my kids, I mean, it's like they had so many clothes when they were little, when they were toddlers. For some reason, like, just everyone bought them clothes. They have less of it now. And actually, finding that they have less is, like, less chores, less laundry, less stuff to do. It's easier to keep things organized. But it's also a money thing. When you have, like, bigger families, you're not going to go to, like, Bloomingdale's and buy your kid's entire wardrobe, right? You can't do that. So we are also really big on hand-me-downs. As you know, I'm kind of a fan of conscientious consumerism. We talk about that a lot on our site. Buy fewer things, but buy things you love that you know will hold up. And I totally get that there are some amazing deals. Like when you can go into a big store and know that you can get like 10 camisoles for $4, go for it. I think that's great. But you know, when it comes to like a nice dress for an event or a good winter coat or winter boots, things that are like really important staple items, I make sure that we buy good quality things, even if it costs more. And then, I mean, I'm lucky. I have two so I know that I can hand them down. And then your daughter gets them. (laughs) So they go through at least three kids. I know. We get your hand-me-downs. And I agree with you about this. I think winter coats, snow boots, those kinds of things are great. I will say this, that I was in this camp of like saving everything. So my oldest is 15. And so then she's got all these clothes and then I'm like putting them aside. I put them in bins. And then, you know, what I found is that my next daughter is four years younger than her. And they have very different tastes clothing. And I'll be honest, by the time Margot is looking at Quinlan's clothes, she's like, I don't really want any of these. And (laughs) now I have bins and bins of clothes. Now, Margot and Bridget, Bridget's my youngest, she and Margot can wear kind of the same size. So a lot of times Margot will be like, I don't like this shirt anymore. And I'm like, well, just because you don't like it doesn't make it something that you need to put away. So offer it to Bridget. And if not, then we can donate it. And Margot actually knows, Margot loves to shop out of all my kids. She spends her own money on new clothes if it's not the beginning of the season. You know, like I'll get my kids clothes then, but otherwise they have to use their own money. Harkening back to the tip about 
chores and allowance <laughs> in order to get new things. But that's the other thing. You know, hand-me-downs can be great, but I know you're very picky about things that you hold on to and you're like, this is definitely something I can hand down. But then go through it and be like, you know what? I don't know if this is going to be something they're going to like. That Maybe this is time where I can sign it. I try to sell it on Poshmark or I donate it to a cause, especially during the winter, I feel like, where there are warm things. Yeah, we bring stuff to Goodwill and yeah. to Vietnam Veterans take a lot of stuff. But I will say, just a tip, if it's not something that's good enough quality that you would give it to a friend, like if it's stained or dirty or whatever, you can't donate it. Like, don't make it Goodwill's problem. (laughs) (laughs) You have to, like, sort that stuff. I know, one more thing to do. But here's another thing that we do, because like you, sometimes my younger daughter doesn't like the things that my older daughter had because it's a couple years later, sometimes three years later. We've learned how to freshen things up. So if she's inheriting a jeans jacket, we'll get, like, patches and pins and stuff so she can make it her own. Or we'll even paint it. Or we'll, like, add things to the hems. Or we'll rip the knees of the jeans. I'm lucky because I have kids who actually like hand-me-downs because new to them is new. I think sometimes it's adults who have issues with hand-me-downs. Kids often are excited to get stuff, especially from other kids who mm-hmm. they admire and they yeah. like their clothes. But it's really easy to freshen things up and use your even amateur sewing skills or ironing on patch skills <laughs> to make things feel personal. We do that with backpacks. We do that with lunchboxes. And it works really nicely. I think that's a great tip. That's really, really smart. You can do that with your own clothes, too, actually. It doesn't even need to be your kids' clothes. I think that's very clever. <laughs> yeah, Thalia had a sweatshirt with, like, patches that she put all over it to look like one of the characters and be more chill. And it had a feminist patch on it. So she pulled that one off because she's like, I want to keep the patch, but I'm going to give the rest to Sage. So she's going to, like, add her own other patches. And they kind of were arguing over the feminist patch, I will admit. Oh, well, that's nice. But they worked it out. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm very glad to hear that. Okay. I don't know how you do this, Liz, but bathrooms or bathroom singular and big families <laughs> the two b's that's tough so tell me how you do it because you got one bathroom in your house i know we do so we have to plan out shower times we have to literally like in the morning be like okay you two are showering in the morning you are showering at night you, you can wait till tomorrow morning. And so we kind of have to make a plan. And the kids do that at camp in the summer, so they're actually used to the idea of a shower schedule. The other thing is, I, you may disagree, I don't think kids have to shower every single day. Oh, when no, they I'm get with you. The, I'm totally yeah, with you like, on I that. I think that's, like, kind of over the top. Like, I don't always shower every single day. Nope. But, like, you know, sometimes <laughs> as they become teens, it's like, I, I managed to put on clothes today. That's a win. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you. They certainly don't have to wash their hair every day either. Sage has really long hair. And sometimes if I just say to her, stick it in a shower cap and just take a shower, she's more likely to take one quick shower I agree. instead of spending I hours agree. on her hair. But we just make sure the kids have more of a schedule and we're a little more regimented about that than even other things in the house. Because otherwise, like, we'll go, oh, shoot, I blinked and you have gone four days without a shower and now you really need to do it. And by the way, when they start to be like teenagers, they do need showers more often. <laughs> you become really aware of that change. Do you remember the moment that that changed? Oh, always. For everyone. And also, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of youth sports happening in my house. So the rule is after practice or games that night there is a shower. My big thing is everyone has their own towel because I don't know about you, but like recently my house just became overrun with towels and it was after I watched KonMari and I'm like, why do we have 65 towels in my house? There are only six people. Technically, we maybe just need two towels per person. That's 12. It's like glasses. Like people pour, you know, drinks 
sips into a glass and then take two sips and put it down and then take out a new glass. Like, it's the same thing with towels. Well, not in our house. Everyone has their own cup. Well, you have a system. You yeah, have a I have system, a system. Right? We but, all mess but around. But I do notice that glasses <laughs> accumulate when we have a they lot do. of kids around. They do. And so the, you're right. It's the towels are the same thing. And we've actually, like, put together a few tips here and there on Cool Mom Picks about that. Yes. One of them is, like, there's, like, little kind of charms, almost like safety. You can make your own. Just, like, put a safety pin and paint it with a different color nail polish and put it at the corner of each towel. Or just get a different color towel. Yes. That's what my family did when I was a kid. We each got to pick our own color towels. Yep. That's what I do. Everybody's got their own towels. And then it also helps you going back to laundry when you're doing those big loads of towels. You know where they go. You don't have to worry about, okay, where do I put these towels? Now, I have a couple linen closets, so I have some flexibility in terms of where things go. a linen closet. What's that like? I know. It's really nice. (laughs) I have to say, I feel like such a grown-up with a linen closet. We got a bed with like huge drawers underneath the bed. That was smart, too. Yes. Yeah. You can't waste any storage space at all if you have a big family in New York City. And so that means drawers everywhere, including under the bed. <laughs> yes. Inside, you have like things stuffed everywhere. You have like ottomans with tops on them and yes. all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. That's, hey, that works. Hidey holes. Little hidey holes everywhere. Okay. Let's talk about entertainment. Yes. Because going to the movies with a family of six and when everyone gets a billion snacks, dollars. Oh my gosh. Almost. <laughs> yes. Pretty much. We're like, wow, we could have like almost gotten to see a Broadway show for this with the cost <laughs> of all the food and the snacks and the more snacks and the popcorn. And I know. Yeah. That is so funny, but it's so true. So we make sure we've got a lot at home. Kristen, we reorganized our game closet. Ooh, you won't even recognize it. Wow. We have an entire fully stocked game closet that is so amazing. I mean, my kids are lucky. They get a lot of games as gifts from relatives. Like, books and games are always big for us. And so we have so many games. And we organize it so now you can see everything that we have. And we also have boxes of crafts that we've accumulated. I mean, we're lucky enough to get some press samples on some things or people send us things to try out. But also birthday gifts, a lot of craft kits. So we created a whole separate area for crafts. And then we have like a little closet that just has all the craft supplies. So when we want the kids off screens and we're like, go do something, they always know they have three places they can go. They can go to the game closet and pick out a game. They can go to the craft shelves and find a craft kit that's unopened and go make something. Or they can just go into the craft closet, which is separate, where there's like paints and crayons and stencils and all kinds of stuff, and they can just go wild. And so for us, it's really important to have lots of stuff that the kids can do and find on their own because I I just can't be responsible for being like Julie, the entertainment cruise director, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> no. And wasn't it Sue Groner who was on before who was talking about how boredom is good? But sometimes I hate when people say that, like, especially in the summer when you're like, yeah, we work full time. Like, I got it. Um, thank you. I know boredom is good, but also like my children, you know, cannot be left to their own devices completely. But her whole thing was like, you don't even need to give them ideas. Let kids figure that out. Take that off of you. And like you said, they know they've got a craft closet and a game closet and all kinds of things like just go children go and by the way pillow forts are entirely underrated (laughs) like if you say no screens and leave kids to their own devices they will like turn something into something else they will make a play they will make a puppet show they will like go under their sheets together and make up some crazy game that no one's ever done before like kids are amazing and i think sometimes we just need to give them a chance to use that creativity more they need a little nudge and so i'm a big fan of having lots of opportunities for that around the house because it saves you money it saves you 
you energy and it keeps your family having fun and making memories. I agree with you. Well, I have to say we shared a bunch of ideas and I don't want to scare the listeners that they had to like madly write all of these things down while we were talking. Um, I'm not sure if people realize. (laughs) Especially if you're driving. Yes, if you're (laughs) you're driving, don't do that. We have all of these links over on Cool Mom Picks. We have a special podcast page for each episode. So if you head over to Cool Mom Picks, you will find it. We will link everything that we talked about, the old Spawned episodes, or should I say the past Spawned episodes that have addressed some of these things, all of the posts on our site, of course, our Recipe Rescue Facebook group and our Spawned Facebook group, all of that will be over on our podcast page. But I'm sure our listeners have good ideas, don't you think, Liz? Yes, we would love to hear from you. Our favorite tips are from our listeners and our readers always because you are the real people who are actually living this. So if you agree with things we said, disagree, have your own takes on it, we would love to hear them. You can tweet us at Cool Mom Picks using hashtag Spawned Show. You can find us on Facebook at Cool Mom Picks, Instagram at Cool Mom Picks. We are very consistent. You can email us Spawned at CoolMomPicks.com or hey, join our Spawned podcast community on Facebook. It's easy to find and jump in there and we'll be happy to chat about it with you. All right. So... Now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! So, Liz. Yes. I have a show recommendation for you. And I just want to say to all my fellow binge watchers out there that this was really hard because right now, this time of year, so many good shows are back. Atypical is back on Netflix. Jack Ryan is back on Amazon. And The Crown is back. I mean, it's like really hard. Because all the holiday shows are going to start coming out. So much good stuff. I have to say, though, that I've really been enjoying Catherine the Great on HBO. I love, love, love historical dramas. And I just, I literally just added that to my queue this week. It's so good. It's really, really good. And Helen Mirren is amazing. I love seeing a seasoned female actor in a central, powerful role. It is so, so good. It's on HBO. I don't know how many episodes there are because each one honestly feels like a movie. So just know, I don't know if you're gonna be able to watch it all at once. Good luck to you if you are. You can certainly fold lots of laundry while you're doing it, but it is so good. Liz, you got to put it on your list. I did. I did. I put it on my list and now I'm going to have to go watch it when I'm done with every single Phoebe (laughs) Waller-Bridge show in existence because that's what I'm watching right now. So here's my cool pick. I don't know if you've heard of a brand called Homesick Candles. No. Mm -mm. I am a candle snob. Like I'm a wine snob. I'm a super candle snob. I hate like stinky, awful candles. I don't usually like cheap (laughs) candles, but the really good ones, sometimes they're like $50, $60. Yeah, they're so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's this really incredible company called Homesick. And they started out by making candles that were all scented by state. So they're like (laughs) New York candles. We have a Utah candle. They have cities. They have countries now. But they've expanded the line so that they have an incredible holiday collection. And someone just sent me as a gift already the holiday candle from Homesick. And it is delicious. It's so nice. It's not like that really strong like pine tree thing that most Christmas candles are. It's yeah. a little more like cinnamony and Ooh. spiced. Okay. And like a little minty. It's even like my kids were like, that's really nice. I'm going to be burning that all holiday long. And you know what? It's under 30 bucks. So even though it's more expensive than like cheap no brand tea lights, 
compared with the really fancy stuff, it's more than half the price. And it's a really nice gift for yourself or gift for someone else. So homesick candles. I wonder what Pennsylvania smells like. Does it smell like chocolate and cow poo, which is what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, does New York smell like the Gowanus Canal? Like, <laughs> um, You know what? I'm going to look it up right now and I'm going to tell you what Pennsylvania smells Yeah, tell me what Pennsylvania smells like because my Pennsylvania, where I went to college, for those people I went to school in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, where there is an M&M Mars factory. And on regular days, it smelled like chocolate. On rainy days, it smelled like cow poop. And on windy days, it smelled like both. Okay. You're a little close, but probably a little better than that. Okay. It says, enjoy the rich fragrance of caramel, maple, buttery rum, and malty molasses. Like a perfect bite of a fajore. Fajore? Am I saying that right? That sweetness is balanced with dark cocoa and a dry tonka bean finish. So the top note is butter, rum, and chocolate. That's a really nice way of saying chocolate and cow poop. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, no, I think it's a little more chocolate, a little less cow poop. Yes. But then the base note is sugar, vanilla, and tonka bean, which makes it, I think it's probably really nice. It sounds nice. Um, So anyway, it's cool. If you go to homesick.com, you can look them all up here. I'm going to look up Alaska right now just to see what it says about Alaska because I'm curious. Like, does it smell like mist droppings? No, it does not. It says it will remind you of America's last frontier with hints of mountain spruce mixed with the winter snow and glacial accents. Underlying tones of forest moss and crisp winter air will bring you right back to the largest state in the Union. So, um, yeah, I'm not even from Alaska and I might need that one. (laughs) I feel like we could have someone with a beautiful voice read those descriptions. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's very Jay Peterman. It is. And then they have like memory ones. So there's poolside pina and beach cottage candles and things like that. First kiss candles. Like it's cute gift ideas. Oh, they even have college towns. Really? So if you want like South Bend or you want Syracuse, whatever that smells like, um, or Athens, Georgia, then, um, you know, have at it. That's like a cool gift for a college kid or an alumni. Yeah, what year though? Because it was like College Town 96. It would be like Drakkar. <laughs> well, Avon smells like George's Prided Peaches. I would think it smelled like REM somehow, but yes, you know, I guess they're not yes. that up on the the Avon's music. Soon. Okay, well, this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> we'll of course link all of this up on Cool Mom Picks, and yeah, this is such a great episode of Spawned. I know I'm biased, but I feel like this one was super helpful. I hope so. I hope it was helpful for everybody, no matter how big your families are. And hey, not only thanks to you for listening, but thanks to our engineer John Bowen. And you know what? You can help spread the word about Spawned by telling your friends and family about our podcast. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Not sure if you knew this, but you can actually do it right on your phone while you're listening. You just hit that little button where it says leave a review or rate this podcast. And it's so, so easy. And you know what? We have had some really beautiful reviews lately. I know. There's one that we got. We got weepy. We were I like, know. We were this both is, very we need weepy. to hire this woman to like write our bios. Or something. <laughs> it was like the nicest thing ever. So thank you so much to you, especially, but to any of you who took the time to write a nice thing. It's like an absolutely free way. You can help support what we do and we really appreciate it. Yep. And when you subscribe, when you download our episodes, that really helps too. It actually tells Apple 
that people like our podcast and then they show it to more people. So we really, really appreciate when you do that. And of course, you can head over to our Spawned Facebook community on Facebook. That's probably obvious, but we'll say it anyway. <laughs> we talk about all our Spawned episodes. The Facebook community on Facebook. We are incredibly adventurous and ahead of the curve that way. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, join us over there. It's a lot of fun. And thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.